2: 10 games to go, four point gap, one position to play for, with one team standing in their way. It's the chase. The chase is on.
1: support, Curtis Fleming is down the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it,
2: Higgy. Higgy hits the oh! track
3: goal! coming alive again.
2: Janino wants the ball played to him. Aveneli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown Podcast with Johnny Denner and Tom. We're the Bora Podcast that gives you all of your Bora match day chatter in a podcast. And the chase is on another win for Bora. 46 goals in 21 games under Michael Carrick. He's got a 71.5 win percent rate as Bora boss and Bora four points off the top two again um but we are play- <laughs> we've got played the same games now so you know it is a bit more exciting uh, but guys another win on the road at the Swansea.com stadium appreciate that is a very creative name um but how are you feeling in forwards because I want to go forwards because it's four points again uh Malt, how are you feeling in the forwards
4: don't wake me up is what i'm going to say because it just feels like i'm in a lucid dream to be honest it's very <laughs> It's very good. You know, I I tweeted yesterday that this is the best Borough team that I've ever seen and I was very appreciative of the replies saying, well, what about the Hasselbank here and, you know, the Halcyon days of UEFA Cup run and I missed that. So this is the best Borough team that that I've seen and it's better than the best of Wilderball last season, in my opinion, and, and I won't let it get twisted, I think it was very good at, at, you know, the highs were incredibly high last season, but I think this has superseded it. Um, You know, we're just very good. (laughs) We're very, very good. And we've got a genuine chance of getting second, which is beyond anything that I thought. And to be honest, I've said it in previous podcasts, I think belief and confidence is a really big thing in football. And when you are riding that belief, it could take you quite far. Look at Forest last season. I think they're quite an overused example, but the position that Chris Hewton left them in, I don't think anybody from a Forest Persuasion would have thought that they would go up and, you know, they went up. So I think they were riding the, that that crest of a wave, the, the very confident wave. And I think Bora could do that. So, yeah, uh, don't weigh me up. It's
2: a great song as well. Um, it is. It's <laughs> so all I could think was that, just like the back of my I was like, oh my God, what a great tune.
3: Uh, Tom, how are you feeling in four words? I think my four words are the belief is growing. Um just really starting to think that maybe we can do it now. I don't want to go all in with me confidence and say, yeah, we're definitely going to do it because it's borough and you know, for for everything good that's happened so far, you get too carried away and typical borough kicks in. But it it really doesn't feel like that has been the case this season. Um I think there were a lot of points last season and in, in previous seasons where like we'd get up to sixth and then we couldn't go any further. We'd just drop back down and go back up to sixth and then bottle it again. And, you know, waiting for it when we first got to the playoffs this season, it, it's just, it, it never happened. And it's mad to think now that we're pretty much relying on Sunderland to do us a favour on Wednesday. Uh, obviously, we need to do our, like sort out our own results as well. But I think the way the, the games fall, you know, if we beat Stoke on Tuesday, the pressures mounted on on Sheffield United even further on Wednesday. If they fail to beat Sunderland, then you know, if as long as we do our jobs against Preston, we could be going into the international break in second. And you know, looking at where we were, where Wilder left us, and when when Carrick came in, yeah, that, that that's not something could have ever seen happening. I, I you know, I remember we were like talking on here saying someone offered you 15th would you take it (laughs) i think we're saying like uh we might get playoffs or something like that but no one was ever seriously thinking automatics when when carrick came in and now it's it's a possibility and you know that narrative's there that we are the main chasing team for for second place
2: yeah, uh, the, the turnaround uh, that Borough have had is, I think, is incredible. And no one expected, you're right, Tom, no one expected that we were going to be anywhere near uh, where we are. And it's just amazing. It? I think my four words are, we are very fun. Um, <laughs> I just, I enjoy watching us. And I think it's uh, probably the biggest compliment I think a fan can give any team is that they're just, they're just really fun to watch. And your, your enjoyment is there, you know it's weird that football is actually meant to be enjoyed when you go and not like heartbreaking and frustrating when, you know, your team's not playing well, but it's just really fun. Like everything that we do going forward is exciting. It's fluid. You know, it's just perfect for the division at the moment. And for credit to Matt Carrick, man, like I know he's done a lot of great work on, on training ground as well as coaching staff have as well. But the whole psychological side of the game and how we're playing at the moment, it just feels like confidence wise when you do feel a bit like invincible like you could, the sky is the limit and it, it, it I think it just shows really how important it is in the game that if you have a bit of confidence about your team and it's clicking you got you can take on you can take on the world in football and you know it doesn't matter what division you're in you can put up a good fight against anyone and it shows in cup games but um let's let's chat about the Swansea uh, game because you know bo had come behind uh, yet again to get a result Um, And it was a a bit of a weird game because I thought Bora played quite well in the first half and not as well in the second half, but we managed to score three in the second half and go behind at the break. Um, Dana, how would you assess uh, the performance against Swansea?
4: I think it was a game where trust and patience was quite important because we were dominant in that first half. Our possession percentage didn't dip below 60 the whole half. And it felt like we were probing. And I wrote in my notes, 13 minutes, feels like Borough going to score here. 15 minutes, goal, 1-0 Swansea. And I mean, it was rather fortuitous the way that the opportunity presented itself to Joel Perot because it's Ryan Manning's cross that ricochets off Tommy Smith's arse. So they got lucky, the way that the opportunity fell to him. It's a good instinctive finish, I will say. But I think in the in the first half, I noticed we were playing a lot down that right-hand side. And when I bring up the touch map after the game, there was a lot of play down our right. Tommy Smith had the most touches of anyone from a Borough Persuasion. In fact, anybody in the whole game, from in the whole half from both teams in that first half was 75. And then Riley McGree had 41. So for me, I thought we were a little bit predictable in that first half when it came to that right-hand side because I think you could tell that Riley McGree isn't comfortable on his right uh, right foot. It's not his stronger foot and very much his weaker foot. We've seen that. So he will want to cut inside and, and get back onto that stronger left. And I just feel like in terms of quickening the tempo of the game, we weren't lethargically slow, I will say that, but we were predictable because it was very obvious what Riley McGree was going to do when he was out wide. He was going to cut in central. And we do see that with Riley McGree. We do. But I think a lot of the time he will cut inside before he's got the ball rather than cut inside when he's on it. So I just thought it was maybe a little bit, just that little tiny bit. We always talk about one percentages on this podcast, don't we? It was just that 1% slower. And in that second half, they had a lot less touches, the two of them, uh, Tommy Smith and, and Riley McGree. Tommy Smith had 18 and Riley McGree had even less with 14 and you see the concentration of touches more predominantly on the left-hand side in that second half and to be honest between Ryan Giles and uh, Aaron Ramsey they didn't have a whole lot more touches in that second half compared to their first half but what I did notice in that first 45 minutes from both sides is that the left-hand side was quite opportunistic Um Ryan Manning and Ryan Giles had a lot of space to be able to operate. That's why we saw the first goal that Swansea scored, the opener. Ryan Manning had a lot of space to be able to play that cross. Yes, it does take a nick off Tommy Smith's backsides and it's fortuitous. But then I looked at Ryan Giles on our left-hand side. I just don't think we were getting the ball to him quick enough. Whereas I think on that in that second half, I think we were a lot quicker getting the ball to those left-hand spaces and we were a lot more effective at utilising the strengths of both Ryan Giles and Aaron Ramsey. And then when we got that equaliser, which in itself was rather lucky because I thought Aaron Ramsey had overplayed it. It was a fantastic ball from Ryan McGree to set him free, the right ball, the right type of pass. Mm. And he was bearing down a goal, wasn't he? And it felt like he'd overplayed it. He tried to pass to uh, Cameron Archer, who'd made a run into the box, and it ricochets off Sorinola back into his path, stabs it into the back of the net, and then bang, bang. Karen Archer scores, um, gets the good old knee slide and, and unleashes his ball, and then Pom dispatches a, a very good penalty, the first probably good penalty we've seen from, from Pom this season. So, yeah, it was, um, it was one where Borough had to be patient. They had to trust themselves. But we were effective in the moments that, that mattered. I don't think we were great. I don't think we're, we were anywhere near our best. But we were effective, and we needed to be, and we, you know, we got the the deserved of three points in the end.
2: Yeah, and just on, on that first goal, then I feel like if Dyke Steele was then hit his ass cheeks, <laughs> that's that's going for a that's going for a throw in any day of the week. <laughs> um, you know, it's just like it's a stale block, isn't it? Um, but not, I think you're right, then uh, we we have to come from behind, and it was a, a really solid performance uh, from us. But Tom. In that first half, I just want to go back to that and just say, it kind of felt like one of those days a little bit because that first 13 minutes, you're dominating with the ball against the side who has the highest amount of possession uh, in, the, in the championship, and then we go behind. But how do you think we were able to, to turn the game around in the second half?
3: I, I think it's just a common theme now where if we're in this position, we go into time and we can always have the confidence that we're going to come out second half playing better. Or in this case, I I would say with the slight improvements being made to to be able to allow us to score. Because I don't think we were particularly bad first half. I did think Swansea's goal kind of came against the runner play. Um kind of similar to what Dana said where she's like um in, in the notes Borough Proben probably going to score soon and then it goes down the other end and and, and Swansea score but it did seem in the, in that first 15 minutes that you know we were we were getting forwards and it was maybe just the last pass was letting us down in in some cases and decision making just wasn't 100% where where we needed it to be um but it it never looked like you know Swansea were absolutely outplaying us or anything like that the the worry for me when they went one goal up, was that they might just sit back and try and defend that. But thankfully they're a team that tries to play football and kind of kept going. One thing I did uh, pick up on when I was watching it, which I thought was a mistake on Swansea's side, and I'm not sure if it was a an injury that that led to it, but Oli Cooper going off at half time. Mm, I was just I gonna th- mention I that. Felt like he was one of their best players, if not their yeah. you know, fully their best player in the first half. And when they came back out for the second half, and they taken him off and um, put Nutchem on, um, it, I, I was looking at that sub and thinking I can't understand why they've done it. And also, every time that I have seen Nitchum, um he he's never looked that great, considering where he's came from. Um, you know, played at a really good level. So I, I feel like that was a point where tactically Swansea might have got it a bit wrong, but all it required from our side I think Carrick said that uh, in his his post match as well that he didn't actually have to say much to the team because he he knew the the way we we were uh, going was on the right track we just needed a few different few tweaks um concentrate the, the play elsewhere from the right hand side and it, it was going to come second half
2: why do you, why do you think tom that we have those games though in terms of and it's been a quite a common theme sometimes and where we we have maybe a slower first half and then we're really good in the second half or vice versa. Why do you think those type of things happen?
3: I'm I'm not sure. And to be honest, I wouldn't necessarily say yesterday was a slower first half. Um, like I say, I thought we we were the better team, even like until they scored. And I think even even afterwards, you know, Swansea had had a little spell, but. As Dana said earlier, like our possession never dipped under sixty. Obviously, that's not the only uh, key, key metric. Possession doesn't win you games, but um, we we were doing pretty well. Um, we were playing the right way, and you know if we can't continue to play that way, and there wasn't a half time, I'm sure we probably would have scored. But I, I do think that. This is probably where the coaching element comes into it rather than the, the management element and of the, the system we have at the moment. I think you you look at our coaching team and and you know they they're all pretty well renowned as as good coaches. You should be able to go into half time uh and and you know see areas of the game where we can improve. And you know, it's that coaching element where you can just say, All right, if you do this instead, then you know things might might work out a bit better for us. And I feel like that as a as, um, as scenario at half time is, is maybe better than, say, um, you know, a manager just going in there and shouting and bawling at the team and uh, <laughs> you've got to die for three points and, and, and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you, you take that coaching element into it and just, you know, Treat the treat the players that way, and just be like, "Look, mate, you're doing all right, but if you do this, we could be better. And uh, you do this, you know, we we could unlock the defense. I think that that's probably the right approach to be taken with this group of players at the moment. And I, I think when we see those improved second half displays, it wouldn't surprise me if that's what what what's going on in the dressing room.
4: I think it's yeah. important to note that we're not a perfect team, so even from the first minute to the 90th minute and and added time we're not going to have a perfect game so we are going to have spells where we are a little bit scrappy and I did think that the start of the second half Borough weren't particularly great and I made a note of it that I don't think Borough have started this second half very well and I I did say to you's actually because obviously it was 1-0 at that point I was like I wouldn't be surprised or this will be 2-0 before you know it because it just felt like we were we weren't I wouldn't say we were necessarily losing those duels but we weren't quick with them or quick to them and that's why I think the start of the second half became a little bit scrappy but as I said we're not going to be a perfect team it's you, you might think Borough perfect right now because we you know we're enjoying a really good run of form even despite the defeat against West Brom but we're not a complete team yet which is scary to think about because it feels like we are so good right now but we can get even better and that is maybe something that we do need to potentially improve on although because we are such a good goal scoring team i think these slow starts for me aren't so much of an issue
2: yeah Yes. <laughs> yeah well well, that's it like you know i mean you're not always going to have uh 100 possession and it's not always going to be your win. Obviously, I feel like game state kind of plays a part in that because, you know, you could have an injury at a certain point. You could have some, like, like, so someone going off. You could have a red card, a yellow card, or in Borough's case, they just need a goal and then they get another one fairly quickly. Um, but Dana, do you think, like once Burra scored, do you think that we were going to go on and, and win the game? And how interesting is it, by the way, that every time we get one when we're going behind, we're getting a second one fairly quickly as well?
4: Yeah, it's a very good trait for us to have and to be honest I know I mentioned there that I wouldn't have been surprised (laughs) if Swansea made it 2-0 just because of the the, again game state the way that the game was started in that second half I still thought that we would win the game even 1-0 down just because their goal did come against the run of play and I didn't, Swansea have got a good attack, let's not forget that but their defence is incredibly weak and they put themselves into trouble a few times playing quite a high line and then giving the ball away and we looked good on the turnover there was a few moments prior to their goal where Aaron Ramsey was stealing it quite high up the pitch and we were springing and it was just as Tom kind of alluded to that final little bit the final pass just wasn't there for us in that first half but I was confident based on what I saw in that first 45 minutes that even a goal down we were going to win that game and then obviously when you score that equaliser I think Ryan Giles said it in his post-match that this team almost gets a second wind and you can see the hunger in them I will say that and it's it's very good to point this out because you mentioned it last week Johnny about Marcus Force's reaction to putting that fifth goal in now my reaction in my seat there was oh we want a sixth here that's why he's going you know running back to the centre circle I could be and we could be completely wrong there it could just be the fifth goal of the game usually when there's a high scoring game there the more goals that you score the less or the more subdued and the less enthusiastic the celebration's become but I can sense the hunger in this team and I think we've seen it the past two games in particular that when we do get that little advantage there where we have the equaliser, we're back into the game, you can sense that their tails are up, they're confident and that they want to basically bury the opposition. And I sense their hunger in scoring a goal. I sense their hunger in scoring another. And I sense their hunger to, to win games and chase down Chef United, which is really, really fantastic to see. So yeah, I, to be honest, as a fan, I'm, I've been brought up, rather pessimistically supporting Middlesbrough so always at the back of my mind there's that slight little niggling narrative of we're gonna lose but I will say it's been suppressed a lot under Michael Carrick because I just am more confident than not so he'll always be there but it's it's very silent at the moment which is mm. you know hopefully that could continue but yeah I did think we will we were going to win even at 1-0 down
2: yeah and to be honest there's a couple of things that you were saying there, D, around um or having the confidence to get another one it just shows like a relentless mentality really i think the, the relentlessness of, of how you want to play and how you want to not just put games to bed but you want to keep going and keep progressing and keep getting better and showing that like you aren't perfect in in in, in the changing room but also there's not a perfect game you've got to keep chipping away it's like a big ice block isn't it where you're trying to create a sculpture that's kind of you has got to keep going uh, that way. But in terms of, like, half-times as well, like, we were saying, there time around saying, um, we'd maybe unlock, we'll do this and we can unlock that. I feel like also with Carrick, I feel like he's going and changing him at half-time and probably imposing the question on the players and just saying, like, well, what do you, what do you think we can do? You know, why well, don't and you do that? Like, I think when you are coaches and you have, like, a group like that who have a bit of, like, a leadership trait, I think sometimes you always ask them the question because it helps them feel a bit more in control and they don't like, all, they don't like getting told, essentially, you don't like getting told what to do. So when you put, impose a question on someone, they feel like they're more of in charge of the situation rather than the coach telling them. So I feel like sometimes with that, we've got really good quality in, in the sharing room with coaches, but also I feel like he kind of knows when to say something and when not to say something because I feel like the group there knew that they were going to win the game yesterday, but it was just when going behind, how can we... When can we change that? And I feel that's what's been really good about us uh, at the moment. But in terms of like, that relentless nature, what and I've, I've been seeing from the from the group, like Aaron Ramsey as well, he's continuously trying to improve. And also he's not taking enough finance. He's kind of getting behind. He's always trying to create chances. But it was another goal from yesterday, Tom. Three and two for him now. Um, but what do you think's making him stand out in a Borussia? Because I think there was a couple of people going, mm, like um, and Aaron over him. You know, he had that injury at Norwich. He's came out, he's got into the side now and he's really progressing well. But what do you think has been his, his standout so far?
3: I think he just looks really confident whenever he's on the ball and that seems to be growing with every game. Uh, you know, Obviously, I was at um, Sheffield United away when he came on as a sub for, for the first time and I was pretty much in line with the side he was playing on uh, on, on that night and some of the one-touch football he was playing was, was fantastic and you're just thinking... As soon as he hits, you know, full speed, like he's going to be some player. And I think just, we have changed system a little bit, as I mentioned on last week's pod, to, to allow him and McGree to kind of be them, them kind of Roman playmakers just behind the, uh, behind the strikers. And, you know, it, it's a little bit different to, to having force on on the right, where he's been able to, to you know, run the defenders. He's incorporated them step overs into his game, which are fantastic to see every, every time and, you know, he's he's quite direct, but I, th- I think Ramsey and McGree are working quite well in that position. And I would say Ramsey is being quite direct on on the ball as well. Let's say he's he seems really confident, and I think one of the 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 main things you can see that in is is desire to to run at players and and and, and look to create something. Um, I think the fact that he's got Cameron Archer there as well uh, is helping at times because them them two to do into. Tend to link up uh, quite a bit, but um, no, I, I think there were there were times yesterday where we'd be it'd be running at, at the defenders and keeping all the ball really well in terms of dribbling, but also by doing that, it's allowing more people to get forward, and eventually there will be something on where where he can create. But you know, the, the last couple of games uh, he's just looked extremely positive. He, he's got goals, and you know his confidence must be sky high after that because. I think he can see it in in his play. I think it's the same way you can see the the confidence is sky high for for Akpom this season. Um, and, and you know, I mean that that hasn't seemed to stop for Akpom. He still seems that good. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think the confidence of, of coming back after an injury and and doing well straight away and fitting into this system, like I say I, I think that's the the biggest thing for for Ramsey. And yeah, really hope it continues.
4: On pom did you see that little Megs that he did on uh, mm. where He scooped well, the classic. ball through him on the byline. I was like, Christ! And then obviously he hit the side net, and I was like, Oh, if only that went in. That that just shows it, doesn't it, Tom? That we're such a confident team as a collective and as individuals as well.
2: Do you yeah, think? Absolutely. Do you think that, though, like the, the mental aspects of the sport then are probably arguably just as important as the physical side then, Dana?
4: Yeah, definitely. And when Akpom was talking to Bernie Slavin earlier this week, I was watching the the video on YouTube, and I said to you, I'd love Akpom on this pod just to pick his brains on the mental side of this redemption arc, because I think not only in football, but in life in general, you touched on it at the beginning of the, of the pod, Johnny, that when you have confidence then you can basically conquer anything and we're seeing it in these players uh, and I'll reiterate as as individuals and as a collective as well and it's often not really noted from the from fans because it's these intangibles you can't really measure it as such but I think it's, it's huge confidence and belief in yourself and trust in each other is so important and we can never fully measure it, I guess, but you can assume that it's, it's very high in the team based on performances and results on, on everything really. And I think it's huge. It, it really is. And at POM, honestly, is probably the biggest example he's supposed poster boy of it because, he wasn't expected to be in the team earlier this season. He was training with the under twenty ones, and told to well, basically told to find another club. And and look at him now, um, from mm. from a pretty low point to the highest point of his career. It just shows that when you are confident and you're in that rich vein of form, then you can take yourself anywhere.
2: Yeah, and I feel like I have to push like one of the pods that we did before with Dan Abraham's, like the sports psychologist. You know, he works with all of the top clubs um not just in football but in rugby and also outside of sport as well and like he, he goes into like the tangible aspects of confidence and how you can see it in games but also like how can you manage it and how can a team benefit of that so if you haven't listened to that one I would recommend you do listen to it because it is a lot of fun I felt like I learned a lot from that conversation um but in t- I'm just going to come back to like the side in terms of confidence and, and where players are in terms of like goals scored as well because I know there's been a, a reliance on Akpom and there's always people saying well if Akpom gets injured where would the goals come from but also like the form of other players so Akpom's got 9 and 8 at the minute Archer's got 4 and 6 Ramsey's got 3 and 2 and Force has got 6 and 12 Um which again unheard of and <laughs> unprecedented in being a Middlesbrough fan Um but how important Tom, do you think it is like we are continuing to score goals we're getting them from different areas of the pitch
3: I think very important. Um I was I was on a Watford podcast earlier this week um giving them a bit of a um background on Chris Wilder and the way he plays. There's a Sheffield United fan on there as well, uh Ollie from uh, I believe it was the United were. Um he um I, I mentioned that last season the link up on the right-hand side between Dyke, Still Jones and Crooks was key for us and we were always going down that right-hand side cutting it back. And, and someone had, had knocked it in. And Oli had said that is what they commonly refer to as the goal, uh, and saying that, that is just the way that, that United used to play. Chris Wilder spoke about it when he's been doing analysis on Sky and stuff. You want to get down either side, get it across law, and one of the strikers will be in the right place to, to knock it in. And it works effective uh, against three-man defence uh, particularly well as well. But I felt that like last year we got found out from that, um, especially in the second half, and other teams were, were able to defend on it quite well. But the issue for us last season was we had no threat from anywhere else, really. I, I think, I think you, you look at the majority of our goals came down the right-hand side and sure we'll have scored some from down the middle, but it, it wasn't a very uh, good percentage. You look at Borough this year and, and what Carrick's been able to do with the team. We've got threats all over the place. We've got, you know, down the left hand side, with Giles, McGree, Ramsey, um, you know, Archer and Akpom up front. Um, you know, we can score down the, the right hand side as well. Um, still waiting for Daryl Lenahant to score a header. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it's we, we're not that predictable as as we were last season. It, it, we're not just relying on one form of, of, of goal scoring. Um, we've got Plenty of, of of ways to to create our chances, and it's 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 great to see that that so many players are are chipping in with the goals, and you know it, it must be doing wonders for everyone's confidence. But uh, at, at the same time, you know the the fact that people are saying like, "Oh, what, what if Akpom gets injured? Well, then we've got Archer, we've got Ramsey, we've got Force, who who can can all uh, you know chip in with with that goal scoring now." So. It, it does seem a lot more well balanced this season, um, and I, I would definitely say that, that that's a positive. I think, especially going into the last run uh, run of games, that you know, we've we've got plenty of threats, and it, it's just going to serve us well. I mean, th- the goals for and goals differences is proving that for us at the moment, which I, I don't think we've been in this kind of situation looking at league table for for quite a while.
2: Yeah, I always like looking at the late table, just like I am always going, <laughs> Oh like what if they're split up like I'm always looking at Sheffield United's Fictions and going, ah, oh, they could drop points there and um it's a really cool place to be in, isn't it? And i don't think I've been in that for a long time. Um but am not just on the goals there, I know like what's gonna come back to Marcus fast as I was but like Force got six and twelve by like normal standards, that's great, right? That's mm. great. Um but you know, you've got players in or on the side that are still contributing more than him. Do you think he's just like, un- I think he's just, do you think he's just unfortunate not to be in the 11 at the minute? Do you think it's just like oh, the players are just like that 1% better in certain things?
4: Yeah, I think people could say that he's been unlucky, but you mentioned normal standards there. I, I don't think our standards are normal anymore. I think they're incredibly high and especially in that position as well where you've got for, you've got Ramsey, you've got Isaiah Jones as well who obviously hasn't had a particularly standout season compared to last but he's still very much an option there. And then obviously Randy McGree as well who's played, well, played the last game on the right so there's plenty of options and depth there and quality of depth as well and I think the standards are so high that if you have a game like the West Brom one where Borough weren't bad by any stretch but They just didn't unlock the door. That gives an open opportunity for Carrick to make those changes. And to be fair, I mean, Aaron Ramsey with three goals in in two games, and obviously played on the left, but he's been, the two have been switching, haven't they? Him and McGree between the left and the right. So it's kind of either or, very fluid. You can't really argue with it. But what I will say with Marcus Force, he's on eight goals and four assists this season. That is a fantastic amount of goal contributions for. For, you know, for any player really, and he's on the same amount of goals as Christian Stuani, our top scorer, got in the promotion season. And I have no doubt that he will exceed that. I have no doubt that he'll get double figures. And Marcus Force, whether he's starting or whether he's coming off the bench, is a very good option to have. Because don't forget, when he was at Brentford, he was that super sub, which can all often be quite a backhanded compliment. So I don't really want to demote him to that now. But he will make an impact if he comes off the bench. Yeah. So. Um, You know, it it goes back to this conversation about just the the strength and depth, the options that we have in the squad, the threats that we've got in different areas. Um, He's been unfortunate, but Ramsey's taken this opportunity, so you can't really begrudge that.
2: Mm. Just before we, we go to some two exciting parts of this podcast which are probably one point is my favorite part um but I just want to chat about the loan signings of uh, Cameron Archer and Ramsey you know both came from Aston Villa uh in the January window and they've just hit the ground running they've been excellent but let's look at last year uh where we had we brought in Flo Baligan and Aaron Connolly um you know I think Baligan was unfortunate but Connolly was garbage um, anyway the what I'm trying to say is that why do you think these, these loan players have just really clicked in comparison to last year because it's very hard for any player to come into a new club in January for six months and become very very good and a ha- very high performing and obviously Ramsey was at Norwich as well and some fans at Norwich didn't actually rate Ramsey at all uh, and he's came to a different club in the championship and just hit the ground running really well but uh yeah so Tom why do you think these one players this year have really clicked in comparison to the previous year
3: Well I mean I've not really seen any videos or anything of Cameron Archer and uh, Aaron Ramsey hanging, hanging around in Pally Park so maybe that, <laughs> <that's> one <laughs> Maybe that's one thing but um I I think it must have helped for them coming in as such a you know a, a close group of, of of players and one where the the confidence is clearly so high and the the culture seems good from you know from from all the content that's being put out it just does seem like the the players generally get on with each other and there is quite a positive atmosphere around the place so it, it must help coming into that type of atmosphere but also the, they've been put into the team um, fairly early on and taking the chances I think again that that's coming down to well, it's come down to their mentality and and what they've been able to produce for sure but um definitely the, there's going to be elements of the coaching uh, aspect to it there as well uh you know it seems a very different setup to last year and we seem a lot more focused on developing and improving players now um whether that is lone players or um you know our own kind of permanent um, fixtures in the team but I, f- I think that that coaching um, element of things it m- must be really helping and, and just helping them take their game to uh, to another level.
4: I think it's yeah. worth mentioning Aaron Danks as well. Sorry, Johnny. I think obviously having Cameron Archer and and Aaron Ramsey come in to a club in which there is a coach there that knows their strengths and weaknesses where they need to improve how they can fit into this team. I think that's really important as well. And I think in regards to the question that some loan signings work and some don't, it doesn't mean that certain players are are bad other than Aaron Connolly who just, Breaks. He's just a honking player. Let's be honest, and always was going to be. Yeah, I'm sorry to say it. But...
3: You know, he's definitely scoring when we play a hole. Now that both of you of the
4: shugging. Yeah, <laughs> when, when when do when do we play a hole? Yeah, you know what? Well, write that in the script already, because we know that's going to happen. Um, it's still, I still maintain my opinion on Aaron Connolly, but. Yeah, I think with balagan it was the probably the right player, the wrong time. Not surprised that he's exploded in league. Um James, Sleeky leaky as well. Don't forget about him. I know he wasn't a January signing, but he was very much a loan signing, and it, it didn't work for him because I just don't think he fit the the style of English football. I always feel felt like he wanted more time on the ball than he got. And then Spira, I personally think was played. In potentially the wrong position, he came on in a in a number ten role. Um, when we were at Barnsley, that awful game with our inflatable saxophone, and you could see Chris Wilder was trying to play him in that more you know deeper position. But I just don't think he, he kind of his form fell off a cliff, didn't it, Spur? But yeah, sometimes it clicks and sometimes it doesn't. And thankfully, we've struck gold with the signings that we've made, the loan signings that we've made. And yeah, hopefully they can continue to to prosper because they've been fantastic so far.
2: Mm, he's a uh, Panathinaikos now is Andros Spurra, Um which I didn't know. I was when you said his name that I was like, oh no, Andros- wow, why is Andros face. doing right now? He's um, got eight balls
4: and two assists in twenty three yeah. games this season.
2: What a superstar, eh? What a superstar. But anyway, let's chat about some goals and some knee slides, Denimal, because there was two (laughs) knee slides on shore for us uh, yesterday, and I feel like we just need to critique them because I think they were very, very good.
4: Yeah, I I do as well. Actually, the first one from Cameron Archer is. Um, I mean, he he goes to Lord's Bow. We won't talk about the bore because it seems like he kind of forgets about mm. it. But the slide is very good. There's good length on it. Um, Jacob, Jacob Ramsey, um, Aaron Ramsey joins him as well, which I didn't actually realise until I literally put the clips in Streamyard earlier, but. You know, Aaron Ramsey gives it a go as well, and yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good one. Finally, he lands it because he he um he did a knee slide the last game against Reading for his disallowed goal, and it kind of collapsed. But very good from both of them. I much enjoyed it. Mm. That's Cameron Archer's best knee slide today. If I was to rate it out of ten. what do
2: you reckon i enjoy that Mm, i feel it's it's an eight but i feel like it gets overshadowed by ramsey there you know i feel like ramsey's got he's got some really good downforce on the knee slide um (laughs) and so when you have that just just that element of good good posture but then good knee good knee fundamentals there i think he's sliding really well and just went through so i would say an eight um you know i would agree he needs to work on it a little bit more um, but you know it's it's we're getting there and, and that's it it's just progress uh, every time you know and maybe one time they'll get a 10 uh, but Chubur palm, Dana? Uh, yes,
4: speaking of Posture, this was a very, very good one, Mm. the way that it ends. It's Thierry Henry-esque at the very end. There's a snap that Chibatpon put on his story where it is very Thierry Henry, the statue outside the Emirates. This was very good. Chuba is very good with his knee slides. Uh, His last Mm. one against Sheffield United wasn't particularly great, but he is usually very, very good with his knee slides. A really decent length on it. The stance, he knows he's absolutely nailed that. And the little turn towards the Borough fans as well, mm. I think is, is very good. So, is it his best yeah. this season? I think he's had better, but it's still a very, very strong one from Mark Pom, who is loving the knee slides, the amount of goals he scored this season, the amount of knee slides he's had, But I think that's a, a very solid one. I'd probably say another eight. Would you agree?
2: I would go 9.5 here. 5. 5. I've got 9.5. Yeah, 9. nine on that one, like I, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, and Tom... What do, what do you think on the knee slide just before I, I come my point on it?
3: Oh, I, I thought it was uh, as as close to, to a kind of perfect knee slide as, as you can <laughs> possibly get without mm. it being perfect. I don't know what a perfect knee slide would be. Uh, Max Loss
4: against in, Blackpool.
3: Mm, mm. Yeah, something like that so, Something like that to, to be able to give a, a, a 10. But, don't know, something just proper stylish about that that knee slide. So, Defo's a 9, mm-hmm. that.
2: Mm. I think I think if I if I just say it one more time, then I think if we go like in terms of like nice slide aerodynamics here, and you know, and you and you go with some some good downforce. I think he's going, he's going into that and going. I'm going to try and keep this simple. I'm going to keep this <laughs> simple, and you know, good good posture. But he goes no, at the last no minute, he goes in at all the no poppers No you know. It's, it's he stops extra. it
4: really well, doesn't he? Mm. He put, he puts it, the brakes on at the right time, and and he leaves a nice little. Slide in the turf.
2: Mm, I think sometimes when you go for simplicity, it works really well. But you have got the last minute; he just goes, "I'm just going to lean a little bit more to my right," and that gives him the pivot, uh, the pivot on the turn there. And it's a lovely face facing knee slides And I think with the turn itself, Andy's able; to, he's in control of the movement. I think it's a very, very good <laughs> knee
3: slide. I want to give this him is 9. what people 5. tune
4: into the pod for, um, isn't it?
3: Now, knee look, slide just, analysis. I, I reckon we should all get like scorecards, you know, for this. Oh
4: yes, it's a ten from mm. Len. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. a big fan of that, Tom.
2: Yeah, well, look, people are going to be like, "Well, Johnny, I don't agree with that." If you're sitting at home and you're watching uh, Strictly Come Dancing or uh, Dancing on Ice, you're going to be going, "You know what? I don't. Think he's pulled it off there, but I think with that knee slide, just that just that turn, you know, that that, that turn itself, it's hard to do, um, and he's made it look easy. Um, but you know, the perfect knee slide, it's all about the simplicity. And if you get it right on a wet day it you, the, the world's your oyster on an east <laughs> slide the world is your oyster um but in terms of more praise let's go to the present place because the present place is the place we like to give praise to a coach and staff uh, member a player a fan I don't know a, a services like weatherby um and <laughs> some random stuff um which is just you know, full of praise, Um Denimult. Who gets your place in the praise and place this week? Actually, what do you think is a very good service station? Like, oh,
4: don't ask me. <laughs> Tom, what do you think? I'm not well B's, versed in that.
2: I feel like is good, but it could be better. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, when I'm driving to work sometimes, so and I'm going past it, and I go, hmm, it,
3: it's good, but it doesn't make me want to stop off. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's something quite familiar about Weatherby. I've been there that many times. Go to a different service station, it's just not the same. So weather be for me.
2: Yeah, okay. Well, if you've got a good service station in mind, um, around like, the Leeds area, just let me know because I want not mind something off. Well, actually, no. Temple Temple Green, very good service station. Uh in, <laughs> in Leeds? This Sorry. Is... Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Um Dana Malt, sorry, praise and place. Um yeah. <laughs> who gets your place <laughs> in the praise and place this week?
4: I'm gonna praise Players for moments, I think, uh, this week. Zach Stefan for the save that he made. I can't remember. It was in the second half. It was about maybe before the third goal, maybe 75 minutes ish. He made a really good save from Jeremy Patterson where he'd cut inside. He tried to curl one into the bottom corner and Zach Steffen got a good hand on it. I think that was a really, <clears throat> really important save um, at that point in the game. <laughs> and then Ryan Giles' deliveries. The technique behind them is... Oh, it's unbelievable. The way that he just sets him, sets it for himself and then whips it in or just very deftly places it into the right areas. His technique is honestly something else and is so satisfying to watch. And then also uh, maybe a bit of a random one and people wonder why. I'm going to put Liam Roberts in the praising place because... You'll see, and I don't know if anybody else has clocked this, but I certainly have. Whenever the camera pans on the players when they're celebrating with the fans, Liam Roberts will always be embracing his teammates. Not just the goalkeepers, not just Stefan, not just the, a goalkeeper union, but he's he's a very good hype man. And I, I don't want to dumbass, um Liam Roberts to that, but I think that's really important for team camaraderie that you've got players that aren't even on the periphery of the team because let's be honest like Stefan's got the number one gloves and and will for the foreseeable baron injury but I think that's just a little insight into the dressing room because he's always there always hyping his teammates up always looks like he's, he's he's very happy to be there he's very happy for his teammates and I don't want people to discredit that or or mock it as such because I do think that's really important to have everybody involved in that team happy for each other happy to be there even though they're not they're not playing minutes then they're not you know part of the first team necessarily or the start 11 sorry necessarily but I just I I just like that I think Liam Roberts is very happy to be here and he's very happy for his teammates always embracing them and I just I've noticed that so I do I I wanted to mention it for a few weeks um so I'm going to mention it now
2: yeah, he's picked up the Scott Carson role. Um <laughs> I, but to be fair, when Pep talks about like Scott Carson, he just says like he's so valuable around the turn training ground yeah. and he gets people involved and all that kind of stuff. So you do need those type of players as well, but he's also Uplifting a characters. Yeah, exactly. Um and he's just a good go- he's a good goalkeeper as well. Like he's you know, he's he's no schmuck, like he's a very, very good uh, goalkeeper and you know he's been unfortunate not to to get maybe a place in, in the squad this season when he played and instead of Stefan and when he was injured, you know, gave a good account of himself, you know, did himself like, like a world, did himself a world of good, but also like... He, he got fans talking about him, and then I think that's always a good thing when you're a goalkeeper um as well. But interesting one, Dan. I didn't expect um uh, Lynn Roberts to be in the present place this week, but he <laughs> is. Uh Tom Green, who gets your place in the present place this week? I
3: think I'm gonna to have to go with both Villa Loneys and go with uh Cameron Archer and Aaron Ramsey. Aaron Ramsey yesterday was probably one of the best individual performances on, on the pitch, I think. Um like I said earlier, he just seems full of confident, uh, confidence at the moment. He was running at players, got his goal, taken really well as well. Um, I, I think looking at, at how that goal came about, just such quick reactions uh, to think as soon as that ball ricochets back to him off the defender, just think, all right, I'm going to turn and just try and stab a shot in like like he did there. Um, and there was one point as well, I think it was after the third goal where he was running at the defence, cuts inside onto his right and just puts it over the bar and just think that would have been such a, a great individual goal. So great performance from him yesterday. I uh, just want to see it continue and have, see him have more and more of an impact on the team uh, leading into to the end of the season. And Cameron Archer, I think, does deserve to, to be in the prison place this week and deserves credit. I think the last couple of games uh, i think especially against redden where you know he didn't score but he was involved in so much of the the build up to, towards some of the goals and does such a such a good job up front it can go unrecognised if if you're just looking at goals and assists um but you you need to look kind of beyond the assist to, to kind of see the the impact he's having so he, he has a, another um, another good performance yesterday but to be able to cap it off with a goal which unfortunately w- when we're watching it me and my uncle didn't even celebrate it because we were like oh he's <laughs> a mile offside there and then you see the replay and he was like actually he was miles onside and just had all the time in the world because Swansea's defence seemed to just forget he was there but great uh, front from that taken really well and uh, glad that he's got himself a goal yesterday
2: yeah, and I was going to mention this earlier when we were about the loan signs, but I got a message off um, of, of uh, Aston Villa analyst uh, yesterday. Um, obviously I know him from from when we play football together, and he was, um, he's in the game and he's at Villa at the minute. Um, and I asked him about Archer and I asked him about uh, Ramsey as well, and he's and he replied uh, saying amazing, We've got the world at the feet um the club absolutely love and emery's a big fan of archer and ramsey who have got two diamonds take care of them but they are great really rate them so and i have paraphrased a little bit as well there on that but they're massively keen on both of them so i feel like we're probably not gonna get them on permanence but um yeah it's obviously it's good to hear like hear stuff like that as well so like um but he didn't have to message me back and saying that but um it was good to catch up but yeah anyway both really talented footballers um and we're very fortunate to have them uh but in terms of my prison place nomination i'm going to go for i think oh, i don't know it's so hard i feel like i could just put everyone in it to be honest you know everyone you're all in it just everyone that's such a
4: cop-out answer
2: i know uh it's a cop-out <laughs> answer in it um i don't know you know actually i'll go with paddy McNair. i think because mm, you know good shout Borough players love playing with a mask on at the moment. You know, paying homage <laughs> to a uh, Rey Mysterio being in the Hall of Fame and the WWE, um, which Tom really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it, to come back in the to the to the to the side and to keep playing well. And you know, I was um in an hour January. And I was thinking, do we get rid of Paddy McNair? Uh, can we get a better player in? But he's come back in and he's really surprised me just of how the level of performance he's been playing at good ball, playing center half um, when he needs to be. I still think center back is an area that we really need to improve. And if we go up next season, Um, but in terms of what he he did yesterday, kept things simple, kept just moving probably one of the first players in our attack and phase as well. And he's just, played really, really well, especially with, you know, like the facial mask that he's got on as well. So, well done, Penny McNair. You're in the present place uh, for, for me. Um, but let's look ahead now to Stoke because on Tuesday, borough, we'll welcome Alex Neal Stoke to the Riverside. The Potters have won back-to-back games, including a 5-1 win over the Mackhams. I've got to get that in. Um, so to get some <laughs> insight, uh, we chatted with Ben from the YYY Files uh, to find out a little bit more about Stoke this season.
1: Hey guys, my name's Ben. I'm from Stoke City podcast, the YYY Files, and I'm here to preview our game, Middlesbrough versus Stoke City, at the Riverside on Tuesday night. So, Stoke season so far, I, you could say it's been pretty underwhelming, really. We sacked our manager. I think we were the first this season to do so, after five games. And to be honest, in the grand scheme of things, Alex Neil definitely in 2022, added very little to Stoke. In fact, you could argue we looked worse we were terrible at scoring goals we were terrible at keeping them out at the back and we were going nowhere in fact it looked like we may be in a relegation battle but he's made signings and with those signings we look much more balanced as a team it looks like they're players that he wants to use as well and we'll play alex neal style of football which i'll come on to and we've had a bit of a resurgence over the last month or so um, we're playing some great football we're scoring so many goals um it must be around 20 goals in the last four or five games maybe a bit more and and we're we're playing pretty well and and for once i can look at stoke and look into games like like this relatively optimistically and i can think like that for two reasons one it feels like stoke can have anyone on that day but second we sort of set up to play against teams who want to come on and attack us we and don't like having the ball. We love playing on the transition, pressing high, and then punishing teams at the back very quickly. We don't do so well when we're one goal down and other teams sit back against us. That is still how we are losing games, and we're not able to come back from that. But having said that, if Stoke score first, uh, particularly against a... You know, a team that loves possession, like a Swansea, for example. We've really shown our class, and and defensively, we look relatively solid too, despite moving from a five at the back to a four at the back. I'd say players to watch out for. Josh Laurent has been playing like Rude Hullet for the last month or so. The introduction of Ben Pearson has really helped him fulfill his box-to-box role, and and I'd argue that he's one of the better finishers we have at the club, um, which is mad for box-to-box midfielder. You've got Will Smallbone, who's benefiting from the same experience of having the shackles released from him. He's pressing very hard at the pitch, winning balls. And he's finally got some confidence to have some vision, set up chances, and looks like he might score some as well. I'd say those are definitely the two players to watch out for, other than Ben Pearson, who, if he plays, because he doesn't play every game, having missed most of this season already through injury, I think, he allows other players to do what they need to do he sits back mops up and if i don't hear ben pearson's name in a game that's great for me because that shows he's doing his job you know he's not a standout player but he does things you don't really notice and we've not had a player like that since glenn whelan probably if i'm going for a score prediction Listen, you guys are on an insane run. Um, You've got Chuba Palm, who was a nobody at the start of the season and now he's top goal scorer. Michael Carrick's done wonders with it, and I wouldn't be surprised if you did catch Sheffield United. Stoke have been good, but I do think that you guys are going to score first and when you guys score first, Stoke don't come back from that. I'm going to go with a 2-0 victory for Middlesbrough with the caveat of if Stoke are able to nick one early on, I won't be surprised that, you know, we might be spoiling your promotion party just a little bit. Other than Tuesday, all the best for the rest of the
2: season. And uh yeah, I'll speak to you guys soon. Ah, cheers for that, Ben. Um it's a tough one. A tough one. Uh choose and I boy in terms of what they Bring out, I really like Tyrese Campbell. I think he's probably one of the best championship strikers in there, but he's had so many injuries, which was unfortunate. Lewis Baker, as well, has got one of the most assists for them this season. But Ben Wilmot and Will Smallborn actually topped the charts in terms of highly rated contributions and performances. Um, before I ask for your thoughts and feelings, guys, want to hear, hear your borough knowledge. Um, so last season we beat Stoke 3 1 um, at the Riverside, but who were the goal scorers uh, for borough? Does anyone know
3: Tom? Uh no. <laughs> uh, is, is the answer to that? I uh I have forgotten about to that, it. but I'm gonna guess that Aaron Connolly might have been one of them. No. That, that's not a surprise.
4: <laughs> <laughs> He's catching some strays this pod is Connolly. Um God, I can't even Crooks. You're correct. <sighs> Oh, I don't know any.
2: God, this is difficult. I will have... call... no, not to have. Sparar. Nope.
4: Damn it. Well, at least I got uh, one. I I, I know the I know the Stoke goal scorer because that was quite an important goal against us that swung our goal difference out of our own favour, so mm.
2: it was Can't Nick Powell remember. that scored that one, but yeah, I'm being a bit I'm being a bit harsh here because um Matt Crook's got two. Uh, oh and Lewis Baker got an own goal. Ah, um,
4: uh, yeah.
2: So I can't remember the own goal itself, but it happened apparently. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so let's hear your thoughts <laughs> on the game then, Dana, because they've been in really good form over the last two games and they are playing quite well. And they're a bit of an anomaly, anomaly side, um, stock because I don't know, they've got all the players just haven't been getting the results, I guess.
4: Mm, yeah, it's difficult to know <clears throat> what Stoke's going to turn up, to be honest, because me and Tom were talking about it before we started recording, that they will be pretty buoyant after two really good results. Firstly, against Sunland 5-1, and then against Blackburn, 3-2. So it's difficult to know whether they will be... Well, they will be really confident off the back of those two games, but can they continue that against us? Ben was talking there about conceding the first goal. Don't really have the confidence to get back into the game. But then on the flip side, if they do score, he's confident that they can maybe see it out. I've looked into their away games this season and the opponent has scored first in 12 out of the 18 games that they have played on their travels. So 60% of their games, they've conceded uh, the first goal away from home. So, I think Bora will score first. But as I was saying to Tom before, we haven't drawn in a while. I'm thinking a draw for this one, if I'm being honest. Um, 2-2 for me.
2: A Desmond for Dana. Uh, Tom, <laughs> what are you, you going
3: to go for? i want to go for a very hard-fought 2-0. Um, I, I do think it's going to be a tough game. Um, I think, you know, I watched the Soak game on, on Friday uh, I thought they played really well up until maybe about the 80th minute, where Blackburn seemed to finally wake up and, and they got two back. And uh, but I mean, you know, they they also beat Sunderland five one before that. They've you know they're, they're clearly going to be in in good spirits going into it. I think what worried me was after the game yesterday, I sent a few tweets where it was like, "Oh, if we win our next two, and Sunderland do us a favour on Wednesday, we could be second <laughs> going into the international break." I'm just like, just don't discount Stoke or Preston. Like, we still need to do our jobs in these games, and Stoke is going to be a difficult one. So, I, I, I do think it, it'll be hard for, but I, I do think we can get the win on uh, on Tuesday night. Hmm.
2: I echo like, what both of are saying there. Um, I think it's gonna be really difficult. I think mean, really, really difficult. These are good sides, you know. Like, there's, I just, it, you know, say that the table doesn't lie. I feel like they're in a bit of a false position because, like, with the players that they have. And you just think that it should click, right? But it's very PSG of the championship where they've got good budget, good players, just not getting performances in the right games, which is why they are where they are. But it's weird. I, I there's just a very weird side Stoke. And um, so I like I wouldn't surprise if they came to the riverside and won three 0 Do you know what I mean? Like and be like, Wow, they were amazing. Like, you know what I mean? It just wouldn't surprise me, but then like I'm also not surprised if we win three 0 and just batter them. Do you know what I mean? So I have no idea where it's going to go. Honestly, I'm a bit worried about this one. Um, but I'm going to go over one all draw. I think one all draw, um, and I'll take that for now. But you know, if we score first, let's get the three points, and hopefully we can send the top two come the end of Saturday. Uh, but guys, thank you very much uh, for joining me, as always. listeners and viewers, thank you very much for watching and listen to us as well and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel our podcast providers don't forget to give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or on uh, Spotify uh, but for right now we've had luck catching those swans then this has been the Bora Breakdown podcast and that was our Bora Match Day chat in a pod up the Bora Breakdown
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time